0: Hello, hello, welcome to Think, Feel, Eat, episode number 38, How to Fix Your Sleep Problems. I'm Donna Reish, your teacher, your coach, and your friend. I am so excited to give you some solutions. If you remember right, we had another episode. I closed my book and I said I was going to keep it open so I could find it. We had another episode on sleep earlier. That was episode 34. And that was the problem. Those were the problems. So probably should have put these back to back, <laughs> but something in between there. Oh, I know we were doing some things with cravings and stuff in the um, in the drop eight pounds group. So that kind of got put in there. And the next thing you know, we were doing stuff about stress and that got put in there. So anyway, this will be at the blog um, with both things, with the, um, the original sleep one, which is, you know, all the things that small amounts of sleep, that lack of sleep, that poor sleep, all that those things can cause in terms of weight loss, uh, cravings, things like that. And then this one, number 38, is the solution one. So this is going to have solutions for us. Um, So, I am going to just dig right in just a quick review of sleep. Now there is in episode 34, there's a lot, there are a lot of research studies um, that talk about like between under seven hours, like seven hours seems to be a magic number, really more like 7.5. That really seems to be a magic number for all of the things that we want to work properly in our bodies in terms of weight loss and um, cravings and all of those things. So, um, the when we are sleep deprived in general, we release more cortisol, and that cortisol was the topic of 36 and 37. All of the outlines, all of the handouts, all of the videos and audios are at DonnaReach.com, and you'll see at the top it'll say think, feel, eat episodes. Um, so cortisol, as we learned in those episodes, is a hormone that rises with stress. Okay, sleep causes a lower cortisol and lower cortisol causes a lot of issues and then um, lower sleep causes a lot of issues. So it's like the perfect storm of not losing weight in terms of speaking of the perfect storm of losing weight. So we don't want that to happen, right? We don't want um, the cortisol, hormone cortisol to rise. Uh, it causes us to hold on to fat. It causes us to increase hunger. It causes us to increase cravings. It um It causes us to not lose weight as well. Um, We have all these cortisol receptors in our belly. It causes us to hold on to um, belly fat more. And so we want to not raise cortisol and lack of sleep does that. It raises cortisol. But then just by itself, even without raising cortisol or without even, you know, just without studying the levels of cortisol, but just what happens with sleep in general, tons of studies in episode 34, uh, one of them had one to two hours a day less sleep, resulting in 24 to 30% more hunger. Now, if you go back and you listen to that, you'll remember that the studies that I was citing, they are... Robust studies, lots of people, controlled environments. Those are important if you're going to cite studies. And so the other thing is that there's not a lot of debate on this anymore. It's not like they're saying, well, this study shows four hours is great. This study shows no effect from five hours of sleep. You can just still lose weight easily, no problems. There, are, It's not like that with sleep. <laughs> it's just not. Sleep is clearly shown to increase hunger, increase cravings, and cause weight loss issues. Now, that's not to say that if you have high cortisol levels, you can't lose weight. Plenty of people do. That's not to say that if you don't sleep or you shift work and sleep, that you can't lose weight. People still do. But again, we want to create the perfect storm of weight loss. So we want the the things to come into play that are going to have a big effect on our weight loss. And so we want to bring together as many of these things, we're gonna layer all of, the, all of the ways that we lose weight, all of the ways that we uh, get rid of fat, all the ways that we crave less, all the ways that we feel more full, all the ways that we get more nutrients, all the ways that we uh, lose body fat and look better, all the ways that we gain muscle, all the ways that we have energy, we're just going to layer all of these. We're just going to stack them in like that habit stacking idea so that we have the perfect storm of weight loss, of uh, feeling good, of looking good, of getting better all the time. You know, I don't have to be at a perfect state. If I am on my way, I'm a happy girl. One of the one way students I said today. Oh, okay, that's just the kind of girl I am. And I told them something I can't remember. I always tell them that's the kind of girl I am whenever they ask me for a favor. That's the kind of girl I am. I'll tell them. And they'll say, I think the one somebody said, I think you should say woman. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's the kind of woman I am. All right. So I am the kind of girl who wants to stack those habits. All right, another study. Again, look in 34 for all of these studies. Shows people who regularly sleep fewer than seven hours have 26% more hunger. Now, I've talked about this in other sleep scenarios before, but sleep is amazing. Sleep is beautiful. Sleep is wonderful. Sleep feels so good. A bed feels so good. Pillows feel so good. Why would we not sign up for something that feels so good and is so wonderful? that helps us be less hungry and lose weight. Let's sign up for it, okay? You sign up for it, I signed up for it. All right, so sleep is influenced by daily choices. It's super, super important that we understand that even though we can see all of these benefits of sleep and we can say, sleep does this, it does this, we we need to sleep. It's really important that we understand and accept the fact that it doesn't happen naturally. That we understand and accept the fact that sleep is hard. For many people and especially as we get to be our ages that many of you are over 50 over 45 and so sleep is even more difficult the older you get oftentimes and um i remember when i hit 50 i was like hmm, i don't need eight hours sleep anymore so weird <laughs> i just remember it just being bizarre um, but sleep is not easy for people and that is why we need this episode how to fix your sleep problems and we can't just know the importance of it we have to buy into the habits the solutions the incrementality of getting our sleep now i am working on another episode and i can't i don't know when i'm going to do it but it was like i made a list on my phone of some things habits that i have built habits that i built and how i built them um, because you know me and habits, and all habits that we build have the same thing in common. We were successful in a little bit. We got confidence. We had self-integrity. We got faithful in a little bit more. We got faithful in a little bit more. If you are in the drop eight pounds by Christmas, and if you're not, you should be in there, donreach.com forward slash eight pounds by Christmas. You started out with the first four. We start out with four habits that we can develop in our lives in an incremental way that are going to make a difference in our weight loss that aren't too hard. They're not easy, but they're not as hard as like a certain eating protocol or fasting for a really long time or some other habit that you may want in the future. Sleep is a discipline. People think that getting up in the morning is a discipline. Getting up in the morning is hard. Getting up in the morning is that takes so, so much self discipline. It's just so hard to do. When in reality, um, going to sleep at night, going to bed, developing your nighttime routine is also a discipline, right? We used to tell our kids when they were growing up that a good tomorrow starts tonight. And we were, um, of course, trying to build into them habits, right? We wanted them to see that what you do tonight. In terms of your face routine, if you're a teenager, right, or an older person like me, my face routine at night, a face routine, um, you know, pajamas, putting your clothes in the dirty clothes, um, picking up your stuff, packing your lunch for the next day, if they were going to work, uh, whatever it was, we wanted them to see that a good tomorrow starts tonight. And that is true for us in our weight loss Adventures with sleep. A good tomorrow in terms of habits and cravings and so forth will genuinely start tonight. Look, I have my workout clothes on with a dress blazer. (laughs) I still have have my shorts on and everything. Yeah, on Thursday nights, you get me as I come, right? This is come as you are. So I just really kind of put on a little bit of jewelry, touched up my face, and put on a dress jacket. So, anyway, at least you know I worked out, right? (laughs) All right. So bad sleep habits are just that they are habits and those bad sleep habits can be undone and new habits learned the same way that the current ones were built. Like you didn't just all of a sudden start staying up until two in the morning, watching Netflix, right? That happened gradually. And so can the new habits that we want to develop also. All right. So sleep is influenced by daily choices, Right. So I'm going to go through some daily choices that have an effect like earlier in the day. And then I'm going to go through things that will keep us from sleeping well and how we can solve some of those. All right. So getting up early. Now, early is a relative term, and you don't have to get up early. You can get up at whatever time you want. But more than getting up early is getting up consistently one of my really great habits that I wanted my whole life because I always heard it's so much healthier and it make you a less grouchy mom, all these things. When my kids were growing up. I always wanted the habit of going to bed within an hour of the same time, every night, seven days a week, going to sleep within an hour and getting up within an hour. I, that has been a lifelong goal of mine. And I finally was able to do that. And in, without giving away that episode, I did it incrementally. I moved up 15 minutes earlier in the morning and I moved back 15 minutes. Then I got tireder, right? Got more tired. My my language arts lady was a slip up there. And then I did 15 minutes earlier the night before and then 15 minutes. And I literally worked and worked and worked to make this a habit. I wanted it so badly. And it is a great habit. I'm very, very, very glad because now I go to sleep between 11 and 1130, get up between six and 630 during the week. And I go to sleep between 12 and 1230 on the weekends and get up between seven and 730 on the weekends. And. The, the wide ranges that we try to do with sleep, like sleeping until 10 on Saturdays, but getting up at 5.30 during the week, we will never develop good sleep habits if we live like that. And I know nobody wants to get up you know, at 5.30 on the weekend. It's your day to sleep in and all that. But you have to consider that what it's doing to you, right? More than likely, that four five hour swing there is making it hard for you to go to sleep on Sunday night, making you very tired, hungry over craving on Monday. And that's what I found. Whenever I was staying up really late on weekends and sleeping in really late on weekends on Sunday night, I could never fall asleep. And then Mondays were a drag. I was so tired. Didn't realize now why I always wanted to eat everything inside. That was also because of eating bad on the weekend, eating too much on the weekends. But so incremental changes. Get up and get lit. All right. You need to get up and moving like don't kind of lie in bed and answer texts and read your devotions read your book in the morning um scroll through socials right get up up and get things lit open the blinds turn on the overhead lights if it's possible to go out and get sunshine get sunshine um tell your body that it is daytime we have the circadian rhythm going on and The faster we get ourselves in movement in the mornings, the sooner our body will say, huh, this is what time we move. This is what time we get up. And then the easier it will be to fall asleep the next morning. So get some light and some movement, first thing. Um, Morning routines with times help. I like to have a morning routine that's timed. So I have 15 minutes of admin work. I have X number of minutes of showering and hair washing on certain days, X number of minutes of you know, face and hair and jewelry and clothes and supplements and drinks for the day and finishing packing. I already have a lot of things done the night before. That's going to come here into play in just a minute in a night routine. But I like to have that timed out. So I keep moving, keep moving. It's time for this. It's time for this. It's time for this. Um, It helps me move faster and get things done in the morning. And I'm not running out the door so late or students aren't like waiting in my dining room and I'm still putting on my makeup, right? (laughs) Yeah, that happens to me a lot. (laughs) Not as much anymore though, not as much anymore. All right, so the brain has this huge effect on sleep. We have this arousal system that creates our wakefulness and our alertness. So we wanna work with this arousal system. We wanna say, I'm up, it's light out, it's morning, it's time to move my body, it's time to decrease melatonin, it's time to get moving and get active, okay? So we have this definite arousal system versus the sleep center and they're opposite of each other. So since they're opposite with each other, if we don't move first thing in the morning, but we just lie around, we move slowly, we turn on the TV and watch the news in bed, our body, you might say, well, I'm getting up at seven. I don't know why I can't go to sleep until two and I don't sleep during the day, right? You might say all of that, maybe not. But um, what is happening is that you are... um, you are uh, still in the sleep um, center mode. You're not in the arousal mode, even though you might be awake. Okay, so you want to move, move, move. You uh, must have a strong signal to kick one, to kick yourself out of one state and into another. Okay, so this is not going to happen just overnight. This is going to be something that you're going to, Um, develop as you move your body all right so you've got the uh, uh, sleep center sleep system that tells your body sleep sleep you know you want to want to act on that at night you want to make that happen at night and then you have the um, arousal system in the morning and you want to work with that arousal system all right i mentioned sunlight a little bit ago Um, Sunlight and groundedness. There's so much out there right now about these two topics and about how the huge effect that sunlight has on your circadian rhythm. So telling yourself that it is morning, the huge effect that sunlight has on your on lowering cortisol levels. I talked about that in episodes. 36 and 37. Um, On uh, like your serotonin levels and just your outlook for the day in general. So, it uh, said to help with depression, cortisol, serotonin, but also has an effect, again, on your circadian rhythms. Sunlight also helps melatonin cycle. Now, melatonin is, I'm going to go to that here. I can find it. Melatonin is a hormone that is released at night, and it is, can't put my notes on that. It's a hormone that is released at night, and there is. it's also available as a supplement. Now, it's important to note that melatonin is not... Um, I don't have that sheet here, what happened to it? Melatonin is not just a supplement, like we think of an adaptogen and we think of a vitamin we think of a mineral or something like that. Um, melatonin is not just a, um, a, a, just a supplement, it is an actual hormone. So we're taking a hormone at night, and I do take melatonin a lot, we're taking melatonin at night, because we are assuming that, um, that we have, sorry, we are assuming that our body will not release it, right, and so it's good if you don't need melatonin, it's good if you don't need to take melatonin, it's good if you uh, don't have to have it, if your body makes enough and releases it and you fall asleep easily without melatonin, that's good. But if you take melatonin and it works for you, then that means that you probably do need it, right? The, the problem is that it's not a supplement, like I said. And so you're basically you know, telling your body, I know you won't make this hormone, so I'm going to release it um, so that I have enough melatonin to go to sleep. And so there's some question out there as to if we continue to take melatonin, will our body stop making it at night like it needs to? You know, it's kind of like, well, I don't need to. Your body, You're doing it, you know, artificially. So I say all that to say that if you have a choice between melatonin, I'm going to talk about this next week with insomnia, but if you have a choice between melatonin and like Benadryl or NyQuil or... Um, Uh, sleep, omni sleep or unisleep or, you know, whatever. If you have a choice between uh, the hormone melatonin and something stronger like that, and melatonin works for you and it doesn't give you a hangover, then you're going to be a lot better off taking melatonin, right? Then you would in, um, in taking uh, something stronger, right? Like, you know, we take Benadryl because it has that drowsy um, antihistamine in it or whatever that is. I think it's antihistamine. Uh, we take Tylenol PM. Basically, it's Tylenol with Benadryl in it, or Tylenol with the same um, thing in it that causes you to fall asleep with Benadryl. So um, and I'll talk about this a little bit more next week with insomnia. If you need something to help you sleep, take it. But if we you know get up in the morning and get sunlight, this melatonin will be suppressed. Then we go to bed, the melatonin will be released. So take it if you need it, um, but know that, you know, it's better if you can make it yourself, if your body can make it. I use a um, dissolvable kind. It's like grape flavor or something. And I try to start out with a half of one. And then if I need the other half, if I'm still lying there 20 or 30 minutes, you know, past the time that I want to fall asleep, then I um, take the other one. All right. Working out again, we're just focusing this week on our daytime activities, those things that make a difference in your in your falling asleep. So working out um, definitely will help you sleep better in the long run. Again, um, the whole concept behind, um, you know, the activity of the day is to tell your body that this is the daytime and this is when I need to be active. And then the nighttime is when I don't need to be active, right? So, I mean, leisurely walks in the evening, that's really great. Some people cannot sleep well if they don't, if they exercise too close to bedtime, as far as hard exercise is concerned. And sometimes it just really gets that arousal system, like, you know, revamped again, revamped, (laughs) revamped. We don't need again with that, revamped. So then you're like, oh, we're starting again. We're starting the day over again. Now we're all excited. We're getting movement. Right? So you want to be careful with that. Um, so if you think that exercise is interfering in your sleep, you want to be sure that you are exercising earlier in the day because it can cause, you know, like you to release testosterone, um, human growth hormone, those kind of things that can be released during activity, during movement, during exercise, and then those hormones can just get you all riled up and keep you from sleeping. Also, as we learned in episodes thirty-six and thirty-seven. Um, Exercise is a stressor, so we'll have a little bit of cortisol uh, boost there, and cortisol and melatonin don't really get along real well, so it's not like you're going to have your good melatonin if your cortisol is too high. So anyway, um, but exercising definitely helps you to sleep better later on. Again, it's going to wear you out. We want our daytime activity to be active. We want our daytime activity, not just for the reasons that I was talking about in an episode or two ago, when I was talking about NEAT, non-exercise, um, our, our, um, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, not just for that, but we want our bodies to be active. We want to get those 10,000 steps or however, whatever your goal is. We want to move our bodies. We want to stand more. You know, you, I'm, I stand a lot now. I, I'm up to two hours a day now of standing during a time that's typically sitting. So I'm doing all the layers of everything that I can do for my health, as I age, for my wellness, for my body size, for my weight, for my working out, I'm layering all of those together. So you want to have activity during the day, working out is really, really great for that and you will be more tired, right? We want to be tired at night. We wanna, you don't wanna go to bed and just feel like you haven't really put forth that much, so you're not really that tired. You want to feel tired at night. All right, so then the next one has to do with um, sleeping during the day. Okay, again, focusing on our daytime habit. And this one I'm calling no naps. Now, when I was a young mom, I slept every afternoon. I slept for one to two hours every day, and it didn't really affect my sleep that much then, when my kids were really, really young. My insomnia actually was way, way, way worse as I got like teenagers and things like that. And then I got restless leg syndrome and all kinds of issues, which I will be talking about some supplements next week to help us sleep besides melatonin. But um, I could sleep during the day and still sleep at night then. But now, I don't know, I think it's been since I've been 40 even, at least 45, so at least the last 12 years, but maybe even the last 16, 17, 18 years, I absolutely cannot fall asleep. If I sleep, like if I feel really bad, like I had a really bad night for some reason, um, you know, up in the middle of the night waiting for election results, that kind of thing, I can maybe take a 20 minute nap and have it not affect me. But I've, only do that like a couple of times a year. I just don't do it. I just never do that because I'm so paranoid about my sleep. Again, I, I mentioned this earlier. I worked hard at getting this beloved sleep. I worked hard at developing it. It didn't just happen. I made little habits. I made little changes. I did things to make the sleep happen. And so I worked so hard at it. I don't want to ruin it. So I'm like, like next week when we talk about insomnia. No caffeine for me after 12, no matter what, preferably after 10 a.m. I mean, I'm just like, I'm not having, taking a chance because I'm so affected by caffeine. So definitely not by noon. afternoon. Um, So I seldom ever get Diet Coke anymore. Mainly just, I mean, I don't think Diet Coke is that great for me, but I do enjoy one every once in a while, but I seldom have it now because I can't have, like when I go out, if it's two, in the afternoon, which is usually when I eat, if I have a late lunch date or something, I can't order Diet Coke. I cannot, I won't do that to myself. I will not drink caffeine in the afternoon. And so there are things that, that I do all the time to ensure the sleep. And one of them is no naps. So, um, the, maybe you aren't affected by naps. Maybe you can just sleep perfectly. But one of the things that we really need to to get a hold of is this concept that sleep is not easy, that it takes self-discipline. It takes self-discipline not to take a nap when you just wanna curl up after work at four or five. It takes self-discipline to set your alarm for 20 minutes and really get up, not just roll over and let it go and then two or three hours later, wake up and say, what has happened to me? Nothing happened to you, you chose that, right? So no naps is a self-control issue, a self-discipline, a self-integrity issue. And if it's going to affect your sleep at night and you want sleep, good sleep at night, then it's up to you to change it, right? It's up to us to make the changes that we want in order to get what we want. So I, like I said, value my sleep so much. I, I, you know, have a certain time that everything's got to be turned off. Next week, I'll talk about blue light blocking, but that's also another thing that we can do for sleep Um, at at nighttime. Again, keeping with that light, daytime light, nighttime, no light. You think about, um, we used to live in Bern, Indiana, and we had Amish neighbors all around us when we first moved there, and we became friends with some, and um, they would come and help with the kids, and uh, we would take them places and things, um, and they- it's, what time is it here? 6.30 or no, 7 or something like that here. And it's pitch black here in Indiana at seven o'clock in the evening. And they fall asleep early because they don't have any overhead lighting, right? So they just go to bed and they get up early, right? Our bodies really were made to get up with the sunlight and go to bed with the darkness. Now, with daylight savings time with all the time changes and all that, That isn't always necessarily the case and we have indoor lighting and that keeps us up. But remember, light, light is for the morning and the daytime and darkness means we're going to wind down and go to sleep. So not napping, not sleeping during the day. Maybe you will just, can just experiment with that and see what that means for you. Does that mean no naps at all? Does that mean no more than a 15 minute nap? Does that mean no more than a 30 minute nap? But guys, always ask yourself, how will this affect what I want? how will this affect what I want? All right, I'm going to talk for a few more minutes before closing on bedtime routines, because these are all things that make a difference. The light, the movement, the exercise, the working out, um, the not sleeping during the day, okay? Also, just the concept of lying around. A lot of people, especially empty nesters, who, you know, don't have as maybe as many things to do anymore as you used to when you had kids at home. So, it's not uncommon for us just to like snuggle up on the not uh, not me because not that I think it's a terrible thing. I just have like this block about it. I can't watch anything in the evenings. It's just cuz of the way we raised our kids. So, it was just it's just a thing which actually has served me very well right now, but a lot of people they're tired, right? We're getting older, we've worked all day. And so maybe at seven o'clock, you know, we're snuggled up watching Wheel of Fortune and then Jeopardy and then we just kind of stay there, right? Maybe you've already worked out and all that and you've worked hard that day and it feels good and it feels like something you deserve. But what we have to understand is that our bodies are telling us that it's time to slow down now at seven. So if we lie there for three or four hours, then we get up to go to bed, it's like our body was already resting. And that evening sleep like that, not sleep, that evening rest actually can have a negative effect on our um, on our sleep that night because our body already shut down, already slowed down. And so it kind of like you're getting a second wind you're like you're already rested what are you doing resting more right so lying around too much in the evenings can cause that i used to go to my room and work a lot in my bed like at 7 8 o'clock because ray would be teaching out in his office and so it would just be i would go down back there and listen to music or put on the disney uh disney um blog uh, vlogs on youtube while i was working um and i'd be in bed And I realized that this was actually affecting my sleep, like going in there too early and being in the bed. was just like, even though I was working, it was like, I was just like all this cozy comfy with my blankets and I have my laptop, my rolling desk and everything. And it was like, I needed to wait a little bit later to get in there. So be careful for too much inactivity in the evenings. Um, And, uh, you know, calling your evening off too early can have an effect on your sleep. So bedtime routines, again, we're going the opposite direction, right? So we are reducing lights. We are developing bedtime routines. I have a routine, a list of things that I do every night. Um, s- sometimes I start those earlier just to get them out of the way. Like it wouldn't be uncommon for me, like when I got home from the gym, if I wasn't doing this to go ahead and do my face and all that kind of stuff. Just uh, And then I would go work on something uh, for a couple of hours before I went to bed. So you want to, again, start decreasing the light, start heading to bed, start heading into the, um, the opposite of the arousal system, into the sleep system, right? So you want your body to be shutting down and closing down. Um, and again, the exercise sometimes can have an effect on that. What time you go into bed can have an effect on that. I try not to go to bed in my... See, I only watch things in bed, so I try to not go in there before 9 and nine 30, something like that to start things. It depends on uh, Ray baby schedule. Cause we like to watch certain things together. And I don't really like to watch things without him too much. So um, sometimes I'll just read. Right. And so just winding down, just winding down, uh, turning everything off, turning your brain off. That's my hardest. That's the hardest thing for me. All right. So here are just some ways that you can like set up your day for optimal sleep set up your day there, of course, you know, the caffeine, we're gonna talk about that next week, the melatonin, the sleep, um, some sleep aids. Um, so so many more things that we could talk about next week. But I wanted this week to really focus on setting up your day because I don't think we realize that what we do first thing in the morning, what we do when we work out, what we do later on can affect that. Also next week, we're gonna talk about hunger and uh, uh, satiating and sated, um, satisfying foods because that can make a difference and also the effect of fasting on sleeping. So I'll hit all of that next week. So thank you so much for joining me with Think, Feel, Eat number 38, How to Fix Your Sleep Problems, part one of two. So I'll see you next time. Hey, drop eight pounds by Christmas. There are seven weeks. Christmas Eve is seven weeks from today. You can definitely drop eight pounds in the next seven weeks. And if you don't, What makes the difference if you lose five? Can you imagine a holiday season where you lose weight? So join us. You can join the free Facebook group. You can join at DonnaReach.com forward slash the numeral eight pounds by Christmas. Um, It's also at the top, so you can't miss it at DonnaReach.com. And then that will also give you instructions on how to get in the Facebook group. I teach there all the time. I'm getting ready to go in there right now, actually, and do a live Q&A. So we are learning how to drop eight pounds, we're learning how to change our lives. I would love for you to join me. Thank you. See you soon.